Hi, everyone. Welcome. This is Seek Sustainable Japan. I'm JJ Walsh, your host in Hiroshima, Japan. And today I have the pleasure of talking with Jessica Cork all the way in Georgia. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for having me. Now, Jessica, you have an interesting backstory. You spent some time in Japan. You studied Japanese before you came over. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself before we start? Sure.、Um, so, I've actually been interested in Japan since I was about 10 years old.、Um, my grandfather worked for IBM and he used to make、uh, quite a few trips to Japan in the early 80s, kind of the height of the bubble economy.、Um, and he used to bring me back all kinds of beautiful gifts, you know, dolls and origami, and I was just fascinated by that. So, I decided at 10 years old, I am going to go to Japan.、Um, so, when I was 15, I Did an eight week homestay actually in、um, Mihara in Hiroshima, Mihara City. And、um, that was a really interesting experience for me. I had really never been away from home. This was pre internet days. So basically, I got on a plane and said goodbye to my parents and had no conversation with them for the next eight weeks. And、um, my host family did not really speak English very much. My host dad did, he was not home. So I spent most of my time with my host mom and my host siblings, and I spoke zero Japanese.、Um, And we struggled to communicate, but they were absolutely wonderful. I loved Mihara, I loved Hiroshima, absolutely fell in love with Japan and decided I was going to come back. But the next time I come back, I want to be able to speak the language. So I went、um, back home, graduated high school, and then went to University of Massachusetts to major in Japanese. Um, and then I did a summer study abroad and then also a one year study abroad at, at ICU in Tokyo. Um, and those were the you know, eight hour a day, super intensive Japanese language classes where you're studying you know, 100 kanji a day and feel like you're never going to master it. <laughs>、um, quite difficult experience, actually, but、um, really, really good for, for getting language proficiency up. And then、um, after graduation, I decided to go back to Japan to, as a JET program participant. And I、um, applied for the coordinator for international relations, the CIR position. And without requesting it, I was open to going anywhere in the country. I just knew I wanted to go to a rural area. That was the only thing I said is send me to a rural area. I had already experienced life in Tokyo and I really wanted to see kind of the other side of Japan. And they sent me to Hiroshima Prefecture again. And、um, I was sent to a very small town, 4,000 people in、um, Yamagata Gun. It's now called Aki Otacho. At the time, it was called Kakecho. So it was one of those towns that was kind of consolidated, like so many rural areas. And I just had the most amazing three years there,、um, as I think you know, many JET program participants do. Just people were so welcoming. And I got to do so many amazing things planting rice paddies and learning tea ceremony. and Um, made something like 50 speeches on every single topic under the sun to every single group in town and、um, just had a really great experience.、Um, and then、um, came back to the United States after that because I really honestly wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do next. So I had this Japanese language ability, but I didn't know how to use it. And the only thing that came to mind was becoming an interpreter. 
Um, so I, I moved back to New Hampshire briefly, but there obviously are not so many interpreting Japanese interpreting jobs in a rural state like New Hampshire. I was willing to go anywhere in the country. And um, the first place that that called me back was a manufacturing company in Georgia. So that's how I ended up in Georgia. So I worked for a year as an interpreter and found out within about six months that I really hate interpreting. <laughs> so that was the other interesting part, I think, in my in my uh, Japan journey. That's a good life lesson, though. It yeah. You sometimes don't know what you like to do until you try, try doing it. Um, so but then um, soon after that, I actually got what at the time was really my dream job. I worked for the Japanese consulate in Atlanta for 11 years. And I did um, I was in charge of educational and cultural affairs there. And among other things, I was the JET program coordinator. So I actually got to sit on the other side of the table and hire um, future JET program participants. I one time calculated that I have interviewed over a thousand JET program uh, participants in the time. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, you, so you had quite a background. There's a lot we could talk about there. And then yeah. uh, you ended up, so you're in Georgia now? That's correct. Yep. I'm in Atlanta. And yep. Georgia has such a long connection with Japan, which I didn't realize. Um, so the project that we're talking about today is about the Peace Bell for the Carter Center uh, connection back to Japan. But tell us a little bit about the history of companies that have had relationships with Japan over the years. It's so interesting. Sure. Um, so I actually now am working for YKK. Um, if you do not know YKK, we make half the zippers in the world. We make over 10 billion zippers a year. So if you have never heard of us, just check out your jeans. I guarantee that you'll see the little YKK uh, symbol there. And um, YKK is uh, headquartered in Tokyo and happens to be the first Japanese company to set up operations in Georgia. And the reason uh, behind that is an interesting story. At the time, um, we were actually looking to open a factory somewhere in the Southeast. We were looking at all different states, um, you know, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina. At the time, President Carter was governor of Georgia. So Jimmy Carter was governor and it was his idea to start um, encouraging Japanese companies to invest in Georgia. He really strongly felt that that was the future for growing the economy. And um, YKK was the first company that he, he recruited. And the reason that he was successful in recruiting YKK was because the um, he met with the founder of YKK, Tadao Yoshida. And Tadao Yoshida has this really great philosophy that um, continues to be our philosophy today called the cycle of goodness. And it says, no one prospers without rendering benefit to others. And um, Tadao Yoshida you know, has had this conversation on his first meeting with um, Governor Carter telling him about his philosophy and how he really strongly believed that the purpose of a company is not to make a profit, but is to, you know, continuously invest in its employees, in um, the community, in its customers, in this kind of like ongoing, you know, cycle that that all three of those stakeholders, we, you know, now we hear this word stakeholder capitalism, and it's all very common. But, you know, he was talking about this back. Um, well, from the 1930s, he was talking about this, but told this to, to um, Jimmy Carter and Jimmy Carter, that really just, um, you know, really aligned very well 
with the way that um, that now you know President Carter thinks about the the, the same thing. So they, um, long story short, became very close friends. They remained close friends for uh, his entire life for Tadao Yoshida's entire life, and now his son Tadahiro Yoshida, who became the next chairman of Waikiki, remained close. So the um, so anyway, that was kind of the start of, of that Japanese investment in Georgia. And now we're really proud. I mean, as YKK, we hope we had a small role to play in that as well. But there are now over 600 Japanese companies in Georgia. Japan is the large, is the number one foreign direct invest, investor in Georgia and employs over 35,000 Georgians, you know, of which I am one. So um, lots of That's companies amazing. making, yeah, making yeah. lots of things here in Georgia. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I uh, to research for this talk, I I found that in Miyoshi there is a Carter Center, as well as the Carter Center in Georgia. Um, so there is that conne connection as well. So I want to go visit now. Now that I know about it. Absolutely. So I can get into a little bit about why that Carter Center is there, if um, you'd like to hear that story. Yeah, so, go ahead. Yeah. So, um, you know, kind of the, so as I said, there's this strong relationship between the Japanese community and President Carter. So kind of starting with YKK, but then really broadening out to the entire Japanese community, especially the early, um, the early investors here in Georgia, they really credit, you know, President Carter with the reason that all these Japanese companies came. And so um, I, you know, also as part of my role um, with YKK, I had always been aware that there was this bell that President Carter had in his possession. It's as soon as you walk into the Carter Center, there, there's this big Japanese bell sitting there. And I'd walk by it a bunch of times. You can see like some imagery here of this bell, but had not really thought, you know, too much about it. But as I started to get more involved with the Carter Center, I ended up hearing this, this incredible backstory. And what happened was the um, when the Carter Center opened in 1986, the Japanese community was so grateful to everything that President Carter had done to foster really good relations between Japan and Georgia, not just with the investment here, but as president, he visited Japan multiple times. You know, he has been to Hiroshima, I think maybe you're aware, um, visited not as president, but, um, but, you know, after his presidency and has just really been instrumental in kind of keeping these good relationship going. So the Japanese community in Georgia in 1986 gifted President Carter this bell to commemorate the opening of the Carter Center. So you see that the bell right there. Well, it turns out that after the bell was gifted, the whole story about the bell came out. So it, they were not aware of it at the time, but, and I don't know how many people are aware in the audience, but actually during the 1940s, there was, um, you know, a proclamation sent out all over Japan, where almost all of the temples in Japan had to give up their temple bell in order to support the war effort, with the idea that they were to be melted down and um, and turned into ammunition. And in fact, I recently found out as many as 95 percent of temple bells were lost. And as I've been working on this project, I've been finding other stories of bells popping up like all over the place, but a lot in the United States and sometimes in places like the UK. And um, that actually turns out to be the case with our bell as well. So the Japanese Chamber of Commerce purchased the bell in Florida, and it was simply on the open market art dealer. And I'm sure the, the people purchased at the time, you know, it, it, not really aware of like all, all the history, because when something's for sale, you just, you know, you, you purchase it and it's, and it's a nice gift. Well, it turns out that there was a um, member of the Japanese parliament who is friends with President Carter came to visit 
the Carter Center soon after the bell was gifted to President Carter. And the bell is car is actually, there's carvings all over it. And the bell um, was cast in 1820. So it's actually really hard to see the carvings. Like if you don't, unless you're looking very, very carefully, it would be very easy to miss. But if you look very carefully, the name of um, Shoganji Temple in um, in Hiroshima, like the kind of the whole address and everything is written on the side of the of the bell. Again, you have to be looking at it under the right light and looking very carefully. So this Japanese member of parliament saw that and said, you know, President Carter, <laughs> you know, I, I think that you ha you have this this bell is actually from this temple in Japan. So um, he goes back. The member of parliament goes back to um, to Konocho. So it's now Miyoshi, part of Miyoshi Hiroshima, goes back to the town. Um, and along with the Consul General of Japan and tells them, you know, guess what? <laughs> we have your bell that you saw you lost in the 1840s. And the town, um, now President Carter's intention was to return it. He's like, this is, he, this is a spoil of war. You know, I can't keep this. This the right, it, it rightfully belongs back um, in the town. But when they went and they, they offered to return it, you know, the town had some discussion and different opinions. But um, what was decided was, you know, they were really so overwhelmed that actually President Carter was displaying this bell very prominently inside of the Carter Center as a symbol of peace between Japan and the United States. It was presented to him as a symbol of that good relationship. And so, um, so the, the town eventually said, please, President Carter, we want for you to keep the bell and we want for you to display it as the Heiwa no Kane, the, the peace bell. We only have two requests. We want for you to write a handwritten message to our town because we are going to cast a replica bell and we're gonna call it the friendship bell and we're going to hang it inside of our temple. And then the second request is, please, President Carter, when we unveil the friendship bell, please come to our town. And this is the part of the story that really gets me every time is he went. So this town, this is a, a former president, extremely busy person. I'm sure you're aware he's a great humanitarian flying all over the world, doing all kinds of amazing things. And he goes to this town of approximately 2000 people. And, um, and he's there at the unveiling of the, um, the friendship bell. And the town, there's this some wonderful video um, that you can see on um, the town's website where you can see, you know, the, the town, just everybody in the town came out and, and, and met with him. He had a town hall, open discussions with kids, you know, talked about all different kinds of topics, really engaged with the community. So um, the town of Konancho was, was quite overwhelmed by all of this. And so they decided to build a Carter Center. So their civic center is called the Carter Center. And they invited President Carter to come back for the opening and he did he went back again so he actually went to this town twice and then as a result he also um they started a sister city relationship between um miyoshi and the town of americas which is um it, it, president carter is from a tiny tiny village called plains so americas is the next closest city so they have a sister city relationship that's been going on since 1991 students going back and forth all of the time and anyway there's just like long-standing ongoing relationship so that's kind of the whole story of like where, you know, that Carter Center in Miyoshi comes from. And that kind of brings us up to today with, with the current um, project that we're working on. That's amazing. Like what a great story of uh, mutual under developing mutual understanding, respect for each other's cultures, 
um, making peace relationships through something that they thought was destroyed. They were happy it wasn't destroyed. Um, and then having that sister city established over a peace bell. It's so special. I love that story. Yeah, especially uh, the thing that gets me, you know, it's supposed to have been ammunition, you know, for us to fight each other. And here, this this bell that that luckily was saved, we don't even know how it was saved. We know it went to England somehow. We don't know how it got to England and then ended up in Florida and then ended up in possession of, of a president. It's just kind of amazing. Um, but I love the person-to-person exchange that's resulted. So it's not just a bell sitting there on display. It is the reason that there are hundreds of students who have gone back and forth between um, between Konicho and Americus now, you know, over the past 25 years since the sister city was established. How wonderful. Yeah, Kyle has said, wow, what a great message for young people in both countries. I think that's true. And then like like you have had so many wonderful experiences from your high school days in Japan and Japanese students in America and building that educational foundation of mutual understanding from a young age. I think that's really important, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think if we can get especially the, the kids that that's definitely who, you know, at that young age where they're really impressionable and that those trips that they make, you know, even for sister city relationships might be like one week, but they're absolutely life changing for a lot of these kids. You know, I've had um, an opportunity um, also through my work to work with several other sister city relationships. And I've taken students to Japan who have never been on an airplane before. I've had students who have never left Georgia before and they come back from that experience just absolutely changed in their horizons just so much you know more wide and and open to new experiences fantastic um let's talk a little bit about the timeline and the building of the bell tower um because i think people might not realize that you're really following the Japanese temple carpentry traditions you're bringing carpenters over from miyoshi um, it's an amazing process, which unfortunately is kind of dying out in Japan. Um, there's not as many people who know how to carry on the traditions and the culture, um, the way the head architects uh, think about preservation of wood, planting wood generations ahead and having the plans of the buildings they're creating past generations past their own lifetime this always gets me when we talk about traditional methods and that is part of this temple tower that you're creating right absolutely um so yeah so so what happened with this project was you know as as i said i'd always kind of known that this this bell was sitting there um i knew a bit about the story of the bell but the problem is the way that it's displayed inside of the carter center it's sitting on this just really low pedestal on the floor so most americans right exactly like that most americans walk by that they have no idea this is a bell first of all like they you know it's not hanging you can't hear it and it's also it's it's in a nice location, but but it's right inside the entrance. So most people walk right past it. And I've talked to so many people who've been at the Carter Center hundreds of times, and they're like, "There's a bell!" Like I never saw it. Um, so anyway, we about. Um, in early 2020, actually, the Japanese consulate convened um, in Atlanta, convened a meeting between the Japan America Society of Georgia, which I'm actually the chair, 
um, the Japanese Chamber of Commerce of Georgia and the Japan External Trade Organization. So we were lucky in Georgia to have all of these kind of four um, key Japan-related organizations. They brought us together and they said that they wanted to build some kind of symbol of friendship between Japan and the United States. And, you know, we got everyone together and we were sitting there like garden, you know, bridge. And then in the middle of that meeting, I just had that aha moment of like remembering that I had had this dream of building a proper um, tower for this bell, actually probably five or six years ago, but I hadn't, I, I'd sort of started to try to get some traction on it, but just for a variety of reasons, it just, I just couldn't get any like traction. And, but because there was this whole group of us coming together with the consulate saying, we want to do something, I guess it's all about the right time, you know, kind of the right time and the, and, and the right place and the right group of people. And everyone um, just really loved that idea and kind of like we latched onto it. But originally we were thinking, you know, a tower, like, and, and like just some tower, like ja Japanese, of course, but we're just going to build a tower. And if you look at different bells around the United States, um, you know, some are kind of Japanese, but some are a little bit more simple and, and not quite um, so ornate. But I, I, at some point in the process of us having these conversations, we said, you know what we really should do is go back to Konacho and what if we were to build a replica tower? So they have a replica bell, we have the real bell, right? So why don't we just like, they, you know, we'll build a replica tower and it'll be just this, this perfect exchange. And so we got in touch um, with the people in Konocho and they actually were very excited about this and told us they had actually tried approaching the Carter Center probably about 10 years ago to try to make this happen. And again, it was the same thing. It just, for whatever reason, the great group of people weren't there. So we ended up just anyway, getting a lot of momentum behind it. And then um, we, you know, the people in um, town of Miyoshi, the, the government, city government has been just hugely supportive. And they reached out to um, Kondo Kensetsu, which is what you're looking at right now. And, um, and they were the ones who came up with the, the drawings. We got all the CAD drawings, the exact blueprint. And what you can see right there is... Um, they, you know, they, they kind of have like taken over the whole project on the Japan side. So they went and what was very surprising to me, like I had no idea. Honestly, this whole project is so much more complex than I ever dreamed. I, I, I won't say that I wouldn't have done it knowing now what I knew then, but honestly, I thought this was going to be a relatively not that costly, pretty easy project. And actually, <laughs> actually, it's taken us nearly two years um, and, and quite a lot of fundraising to, to make this happen. But they went and they cut down a 150-year-old cypress tree um, in the town of Sera that, that's near um, Miyoshi. And it was just this magnificent tree that they went and then they dried it. It take like four months. There's a particular process that I had no idea. It takes this whole process to go through and drying it. And then it took about four months for them to hand carve so that when you were seeing them hand carving everything, it's by traditional methods. So it's um, going to be put together, no nails. This like absolutely blows the mind of everyone here in the United States. So I've been you know talking to the, the contractors on the American side um that this all, all will go together with no nails and they um you, you may have seen but they constructed the entire thing in japan um they're also one thing i'm very excited about is they were also bringing over the traditional roof tiles and the ones that are from hiroshima like i know different parts of japan have different roof tiles and i for one love the um love the the, the roof tiles in in hiroshima in particular um the you know the shachi hoko at the top and um i just love those and that those are all going to be brought over um 
um, shipped over from Hiroshima. We're also having four of the carpenters come over and they are going to oversee the construction um, over here in Atlanta. So, um, the, so the dry, you know, so all, all of the construction was completed in April. The, um, the materials are all on a ship right now. They're supposed to arrive June 25th. So it's actually really soon um, in Los Angeles or coming through Los Angeles and they'll be shipped here to Atlanta. And we are having a groundbreaking ceremony on July 8th. We are actually, this is a Soto Zen temple. So we are having the um, Soto Zen Shu um, headquarters in North America is going in Los Angeles is going to be sending some priests over to do a traditional, um, you know, Buddhist groundbreaking ceremony for us. And then the construction will begin and all the construction will be completed at the end of August. And we have set our opening ceremony and ribbon cutting for September 30th, because October 1st is President Carter's 98th birthday. So this will be kind of a birthday present for him. Yes, That's amazing. And I'm showing this uh, short video, which is on the Carter Center uh, Japan page showing these amazing craftspeople using their hand tools to so carefully and beautifully carve all the wooden pieces which are going into the the bell tower. Um, amazing. So everything's going to be made in Japan and shipped over with the carpenters who are going to assemble it in Georgia, right? That's correct, right. And we have a crew, an American crew here um, that will be, you know, helping them um, to get everything put together. It'll take about 10 days to reconstruct the, t the tower here and then an additional 10 days to put the uh, roof tiles on because there's a whole process for for doing that as well, um, for getting the tiles on. Um, and then of course, when they're here in Georgia, I'm really hoping to be able to have some workshops as well, cultural workshops where they can share some of their artistry with the people here um, as well, because I'm sure there's quite a few woodworkers here in the United States who would be very interested in, in this um, you know, technique. As you said, it's not so many opportunities to see this. Japanese hand tools, I understand, are um, very revered by people who are into wood carving. And in fact, some of you may not know this, President Carter builds furniture in his um, spare time. He's actually, if you go to the Carter Center, there's quite a few pieces of his own um, furniture there. And when he has visited Japan, one of the places he loves to go are the places that sell the Japanese hand tools. So that's just another small bit of the story that I think is, is so appropriate, you know, that I think he'll appreciate a lot. Yeah, that's wonderful. I know that uh, President Carter often builds houses for people. Um, he's part of Habitat for Humanity and a lot of other uh, very social impact uh, oriented organizations. So it's exactly. wonderful, wonderful connection to his legacy and his passion to help people. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. So that's, I think that's what really brings this whole project, you know, full circle is that we can highlight, um, you know, many people are, are very aware of everything that he's done both in the United States and, and around the world, but are not quite, you know, as familiar with this, this additional Japan connection as well. So it's just going to kind of highlight that. The other thing that I was thinking, we were talking a little bit before about the importance of people to people exchanges. And one thing that I really also love about a bell tower is that a bell tower is something that can be active. So, you know, you ring a bell. And so right now, the way that the, the bell is being displayed is we, we can't ring it, we can't touch it. It's like kind of like a off limits, you know, 
work of art. This is going to enable it where we can bring in student groups. You know, I'm thinking we can do maybe Joya no Kane on you know, New Year's Eve. Like we can bring the Japanese community in to do like special occasions. There is the um, International Day of Peace every year in September. And I'm thinking there's lots of ways that this can be an, you know, an active way to celebrate, you know, good relationships between people around the world as well. Absolutely. And I, I am in love with all these traditional bells. I would love to hear the story of where the replica is made, if you have any of that information. Yeah, I don't know how the, the replica came about. So that is, you know, if you go to, to Konocho, you can see it, you know, it's there. I don't know. It was in um, 1991, I believe, that they had the replica made. So that was when when they invited President Carter um, there for the unveiling. But I don't know exactly what the process was or how they, yeah, how they did that. Yeah, because I know that this is another uh, craft in Japan that's kind of a dying out uh, knowledge and know-how how to make these amazing bells. In Hiroshima Peace Memorial Park, we have a beautiful uh, bell, the Bell of Peace, which has a flattened map of the world without borders. And the idea is that when it rings, um, people around the world should hear it and feel that they can be more active in seeking out peace in their lives. Um, can you describe the the design of the bell in the Carter Center? Sure. Yeah. So we were um, we were asking actually the last time um, we had a, a visitor from the Atlanta Soto um, or I'm sorry from the um, Soto Zen Center in in Los Angeles come out and so we were kind of asking him um, a lot you know what what <laughs> like what hall is on here and what which way or should we face it and one thing that he was telling me was that the um, the little you know the little there's kind of these little um, bubble type you know parts on the top of it but that is almost like that's the buddha's head you know like where you have like the buddha statues that have you know his hair um like that so that's what that is supposed to symbolize and then it's covered in carvings as i said it's like you can see like carvings all over the outside and the carving actually there was a lot of different things on it you know in different in addition to the address of, of the temple itself it had the names of all of the donors on it which i thought was really interesting even back in like 1820 you know you have to recognize your sponsors so i thought that was interesting it had um the name of the uh you know the year that it was um, that it was constructed and where it was cast and the name of the company that cast it and actually quite a lot of detailed information um, carved into the outside. It's actually really large too. I'm not sure if you can quite tell there. Um, you, you can tell a little bit better in the picture that had people standing next to it, but this is nearly like four feet, I'd say over four feet tall. It, it's much larger. Um, yeah, you can see there with, with standing there with President Carter, you can see how tall it is. I mean, it's, it's really big, like something like 250 pounds. And it must be, yeah, really heavy really heavy so this is what perplexes me the most about how all of these bells ended up all over the world is i i am assuming so this was in kude we know it was in kude at the naval yard that's where it was sent and i'm going to guess that uh, um it was a british you know someone in the british navy picked it up from there because it ended up in england but i just wonder 
this balance so large like how did it end up from you know all the way from hiroshima over to england and then it got moved to florida and you know and then the person who had it in florida was from the uk so and that person was getting ready to move back to the uk and just put it for sale that's why it was for sale but how does this like 250 you know pound like huge thing just get moved all over the world like that it's, it's pretty incredible journey i think that is amazing. I'm yeah. astounded that it, you know, and then the fact, like you mentioned at the beginning, the fact that it wasn't melted down into bullets for the military, which was happening to all the bells around Japan at that time, that it was just, it was given to the Navy as directed, but luckily the war ended before it was destroyed. So that's amazing. Right. And, you know, and as I said a little bit earlier, when I, I started to do some research, I mean, I actually have a Google alert for, um, for you know, Heiwa no Kane now. And so I've, I actually am finding all these, there's these peace bells all over the world, actually, that I'm finding out through this Google alert. And um, and again, I, I found this, this article talking about 95% being lost. So it made me realize that, um, you know, I always thought we had a treasure anyway, just because of the story. But now I'm, I have a, a stronger feeling about that than I, than I did before, the fact that you know, they're, they're relatively rare. And we're still seeing stories coming up. I mean, even now of people finding them, they're like in people's personal collections, or, you know, in some cases, they were um, gifted to the city. I understand, like Boston has one um, that they that they, you know, was found. And then they said, you know, please keep it like the similar story, um, where the where they've gone back to figure out how to try to give it back. And then and then in Japan has said, please keep it as a symbol of peace. So I, it's nice to see those stories. And different towns are dealing with it in different ways. So they're being displayed um, differently, kind of depending on on the situation. But I have a feeling we have something pretty unique. You know, I, I think we may have the only replica bell tower. We'll see. UN also has a beautiful um, peace bell. I, I don't know if you're familiar with that story. There was a whole movement behind it was made out of coins collected from all over the world. There was a Japanese woman who was behind um, that movement to collect these coins and then to melt it together to cast a peace bell that's outside of the UN. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, we have a great comment from Kyle. He says, holy cow. I am amazed and will get to that bell when in Atlanta the next time I'm there. So That's I great. think there is that element too, right? Like it's a great uh, part of tourism or visitor appeal for Miyoshi, this small rural town in Hiroshima. Um, it's also a point of appeal for people visiting uh, Georgia, I would imagine. Absolutely. And yeah, and I would love people to go out to Miyoshi to go see that bell too. If you're over in, in um, Hiroshima, please go check it out. I have not had the opportunity to go and know what I feel sad about. I lived in Hiroshima for three years and I didn't know this story. So I, I really am dying to get back there. Um, but for sure, we're hoping that, you know, the Carter Center is actually a really great place to visit anyway. There's a really good museum there. But now we just have um, something extra, you know, for people to, to come and see when they visit the Carter Center for sure. The other thing um, that is a, an interesting piece of this is Atlanta is currently building, um, in the process of building what we call the Beltline, which is a um, walking trail that encircles pretty much the entire city. They're constructing, you know, parts of it are already, already finished. In the 
then other parts are going around. But the Carter Center happens to run along, right along the Beltline. So what I'm really hoping will happen is that there'll be opportunities where, where they're ringing the bell for some reason and people will be enticed to want to come, you know, off of that walking trail, that biking trail, and kind of maybe they didn't have a reason to come to the Carter Center before and now they're going to come over, you know, because they can hear it. Also, the Carter Center has um, this wonderful um, market, like a um, farmer's market every weekend. And the place where the bell is, is like practically in the middle of where the, the farmer's market is. So again, we have another opportunity to kind of engage. And I'm sure people that are at the farmer's market don't know the story. And so when this is under construction, are going to come over and, and check it out and, and learn the story. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about how people can get involved and, and help to raise funds and, and support this project? Absolutely. I'd be happy to talk about that. Yes, we're, we're in the kind of final push um, of our fundraising. We're like almost there. We're about at 80% um, right now. And but we are still um, seeking donations at any any amount. Um, if you donate over $100, you will get your name on the uh, we're going to be building a um, monument that is going to tell the story and then with all of the donors names but if you're um, you can donate either um, through um, the the Japan America Society of Georgia so that's the page that you are looking at right now and the website for that is JAS Georgia all spelled out dot org and that is um, a nonprofit organization. So it's, you know, um, you know, we can send a, a donation letter. Um, or if you are in Japan and you prefer to do your donation through the city of Miyoshi, they are also collecting um, money as well that will be there to support the project. And that website, which is where you're seeing a lot of these great videos that have been shown, that's worth going there just to look at the videos. But that is um, peacebellproject.jp. And that website is available both in Japanese and in English. It initially comes up in Japanese, but if you look in the upper right-hand corner, there's a little button where you can switch everything to, to English. Um, so yeah, they'll collect um, money through there. And um, you know, both I'll of those- I'll share both of those links right now Thanks. in the comment section. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, one thing we haven't looked at yet from the Japanese site is the pictures of the wooden uh, temple, uh, not temple, the bell tower under construction is gorgeous. You can see all the detailed work of all the wood here. Um, absolutely beautiful. This is a smaller model. I right. Yeah. So that I, I was blown away when they sent us these pictures. The um, carpenters first cre created a quarter scale. This is quarter scale model, um, and they put this in city hall in order to let the the citizens know that this project was going on and to help with the fundraising effort as well. And then the you can see the roof right there, and the tiles will go on top of that, of course. So you have the black you know, the black um, traditional Japanese style tiles. The other thing that is interesting to me is the wood there, you can see it, it's like untreated. So it's meant to have that beautiful, this is um, cedar, but it'll it'll age, you know, over time and turn that, that beautiful kind of aged um, look so that when it's first constructed, it'll look like this and then and then over time. And um, back to, to what you were saying about the importance of choosing the wood and that they chose the, this um, tree that was 150 years old. So this temple, um, this bell is over 200 years old and that's definitely we're hoping this bell tower is going to be there you know in place for 200 years or more is kind of the you know really trying to build something that is going to last and is going to look beautiful for a long period of time 
I absolutely, I'm so, I admire that so much about the traditional temple carpenters and how when they choose the trees for the carpentry, um, for the temples, they always uh, pray and do a dedication and uh, promise the trees that they will take care of them and try to plant trees which will replace them in 400 years time or whatever down the road. And I just find that that a beautiful connection to nature, which we need more of. Uh, we we often don't hear stories like that by craftspeople or or anyone businesses, right? Exactly. Yeah, really built to last. Really built to last a long period of time, and and beautiful workmanship that goes into this. So we're, we're excited. Yeah. I'm also hoping that there'll be opportunity, you know, for um, people in the Atlantic community to actually watch this being assembled too. I'm sure that's going to be quite interesting um, to see something again that you know I mentioned before without um, constructed with. Um, with um, nails or, or really anything, just all the joinery going together so perfectly, it, it's something that will be you know, quite unique for, for most Americans um, to be able to watch. And um, That's amazing. Yeah. I've, I've talked to um, a few people who are renovating old houses. I went to a Minka summit, uh, people trying to preserve these old beautiful structures. And one of the things that uh, one of the Kaminka Association America Japan is doing with Andrea Carlson, who talked on the show, is dismantling some of the beautiful old houses that are no longer wanted and shipping them to America where they're reassembled. So it's, it's really? wonderful to see this interest even outside Japan of preserving this traditional technique. And there is a lot of interest in the carpentry and the traditional tools and everything. So wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've seen um, quite a few shows recently and, and interviews with um, a lot of you know foreigners in Japan that are, are trying to go into these, some of these more rural areas and are um, really love these old homes and by kind of, you know, bringing them up to, to make them a little bit more comfortable and easy to live in. But but that is really interesting what you said about shipping it to the United States. I had not heard that. I'll have to find out <laughs> how that's being done. I love those old houses in Japan. The wood in it is just so beautiful. And yeah. um, you know, if it's if it's properly cared for, you know, a lot of those homes a hundred years older or more can be lived in for, for a long time. Um, that's one thing I, I do find unfortunate about some of the homes in Japan is that the newer homes are not always built to last. I had heard at one point like 30 years was, uh, I believe it's around 30 years is the average in Japan. And, um, you know, as I mentioned before, I grew up in rural New England and the house next to me was built in like 1740. So, and there's someone still living there and it's been beautifully preserved and it's a perfectly nice house, you know, so there's kind of that mentality of just, um, you know, preservation of the old homes and, and don't quite see that as much in Japan, but I'm glad that there's more interest in that these days. Yeah, definitely. And uh, at the Minka Summit, we had uh, wonderful talks by carpenters like John Stolenmeyer in Okayama. Uh, he runs, a, they do a firm called Somokosha, and they're actually building new Minka as well. They're building new mm -hmm. traditional houses with new wood, as well as remodeling old houses. So it's wonderful to see that enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. I hope it continues and brings back a lot of this knowledge, which is dying out without that interest, right? Right, right. Now, one thing we haven't talked about, which I wanted to mention, I found so interesting, was Georgia coffee in Japan. 
Yeah, so so that's Coca Cola. <laughs> yeah, so so Atlanta um, is home to Coca Cola. So that that is why there is Georgia Coffee. Now, ironically, we cannot buy Georgia Coffee in Georgia. So every time really? I go to Japan, it's one of the first things I need to go get. Although, however, the um, Coca Cola headquarters, if you go inside the headquarters office building, they do have it kind of like on tap. Um, that is isn't that so interesting? interesting. This is just for the Japanese market. So Coca-Cola yeah. is really quite famous for making things specific to the, you know, certain country markets and, and Georgia coffee is. is yeah, I was reading that yeah. it was launched in Japan in 1975 and it has become the most popular coffee brand uh, for the canned coffee for Coca-Cola Japan. But I didn't realize that's why it's called Georgia because the headquarters of Coca-Cola was from Georgia. Exactly. And it says from 2009, it is available in America as well, but only through Asian shopping markets, like uh, you have okay. Japan Town or something, maybe. <laughs> right, right. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, you know, the American market hasn't, you know, I think it's changing now a little bit with Starbucks, but, you know, originally canned coffee was something that was just not, not something that Americans drank. I remember going to Japan for the first time in the like 1990s and early 1990s and just being sort of like, just amazed that there's coffee in cans. Um, so it's taken a while, you know, so it hasn't been that that popular, but maybe, you know, now that now that there is canned coffee around, maybe they'll they'll find a market here as well. Yeah, I didn't yeah. realize. So there's been that long history uh, between businesses, but also between people and exchange of the Japan American Society of Georgia. Um, and like you said, 35,000 employees of 600 companies. Was it? Yes, in that's correct. Yeah, that's correct. And um, a couple interesting stories among those, you know, Georgia was the first um, U.S. state to open an office in Tokyo. So now many states have um, their, you know, economic development office there, but that our office opened, I believe, in 1974. So again, it was quite early. Um, and our consulate has been open since 1974 as well here. So there's, um, you know, as far as U.S. Now, of course, there, there's some other states that have had, you know, longer engagement. But um, but as far as economic development, it's something that Georgia has put a really um, has invested a lot of time and energy into that good relationship um, with Japan. We also have. Um, an interesting um, economic conference that's called SUS Japan. It's called the Southeast US um, Japan Conference, which takes place between, we alternate between Japan and I believe seven uh, Southern states. And we gather, so every other year it's either in Japan or somewhere in the Southeast. And it's a big gathering of government officials, economic development officials, people that work for Japanese companies and other Japan related organizations gather a couple, you know, hundred people come together to talk about the um you know various business topics and, and economic development topics so yeah the business relationship georgia is interesting because we do not have very many japanese americans um there's only about um it actually it's only about eight thousand or so japanese citizens here or people of japanese descent um depending on the census i've seen between eight thousand and fourteen thousand but anyway it, it's very different from a place for example like california or or new york that you know may have a large um population so 
So most of the people that are here that are interested in the um, the relationship with Japan, it's really a business interest. So sometimes the first opportunity for people to understand about Japanese culture comes because they're working for a Japanese company. And most of these are big manufacturing companies. Um, so we have, you know, the employed like several thousand people. And then those Japanese companies have done a good job at, at kind of helping with, um, you know, being really good corporate citizens, I think, you know, for the most part, many of them are very involved in their local communities and um, making donations to, for example, the local community colleges and, and local, um, you know, educational institutions, and then also trying to introduce Japanese culture. Um, one example of that, we have um, in Georgia, the largest Japanese festival in the Southeast called Japan Fest. We get about 25,000 people every year. And what is interesting about Japan Fest, I think that in comparison to other um, cultural festivals that I've been celebrating um, other cultures is I would say probably 75% of the people that attend Japan Fest are Americans or non-Japanese. So because we have such a small Japanese community here, it's not like we're, we're all, you know, it's the, the whole Japanese, I mean, the entire Japanese community might be there, but it's like 8,000 people. So it's been a really wonderful outreach um, event to bring together a lot of the Japanese companies. Um, the, we have a Japanese Chamber of Commerce, so they put together a really authentic, you know, shopping area. We have product displays from the various manufacturing companies that are here, food and all kinds of cultural events, but it's really a way to, um, to reach out and to educate um, the, you know, Americans living here in Georgia about Japanese culture. I think that's so important, right? It leads to mutual understanding. And uh, like you said before, the student exchange uh, from America to Japan and vice versa. Um, we have some great comments. Susan says, thanks for hosting Jessica. She's a real powerhouse. Uh, Virginia says, oh, great. Now I'm craving Georgia coffee. Thanks for joining, guys. <laughs> Thank you. It's so nice to see Susan there. Susan's the one who helped me get in touch with, she's a friend from when I lived in Hiroshima and she helped me get in oh, touch wonderful. with the people in Konecho. So she was instrumental in, in kind of helping me kick off this project. So thanks for joining, Susan. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, we've got about 10 minutes left. Is there anything we haven't talked about in terms of the project that you wanted to talk about? Um, no, I think that um, pretty much covered it, but I definitely hope if you could, um, all of the, the listeners can kind of follow us on um, the Japan America Society of Georgia on social media. We'll be updating um, progress on this. And I'm sure once things really be like kick off, like once the um, we start with the um, the uh, groundbreaking ceremony and the actual construction, we're going to be putting out a lot of videos that are showing, you know, what's going on behind the scenes as the project goes up. We're hoping to do like a time lapse video of the entire thing being constructed, which I think is going to be really cool to have. Um, so if you'd like to kind of follow along and, and see what's, um, what's happening, that's one way that you can do it. So, but I'm just, I'm really grateful to, to everyone's um, interest in this and, and really excited to, to see it completed. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, where's the best place for people to follow? The YouTube channel or 
uh, Twitter, yeah, Instagram, kind of all of the all of the above for the Japan America Society. If you go to the Japan America State of Georgia's website, it has the links to all of the social media channels, and they're pretty good about updating um, all of them. So and they they actually do have a very active YouTube channel too, where we're putting all the um, various videos there. So that'll be one place if you if you want to watch the construction for sure. That it'll be posted there. Wow, how exciting! So this is such an exciting project. Thank you so much for joining. And telling us all about it, Jessica. Thank you. I appreciate the time so much. Thanks for letting me share the story. Yeah, and I I was so excited to hear about your work with YKK and the Zipper Company. I'd never heard of,、um, but it's so nice to have this chance to learn more about the Japanese investment and international collaboration between Japan and Georgia. So so many great insights here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thanks everyone for joining. Have a great weekend, and see you next time. Take care. Thank you. Thanks everyone.